0: This is the blue man. This is the blue man group. This is the blue man group.
1: Hello, everybody. My name is Ron Ecstasy, and this is Blue Men Group. I'm joined, as always, by my co-hosts, Devin Welsh and John Bedrin.
0: Hi.
2: What's up, Ron? Hi. Not much. What's up with you? Nothing. Okay. Just having a glass of OJ. Starting um, the day off, right? Wonderful. Mm, Orange
1: Oranges. Is that freshly
2: squeezed, John? No, it's not, because it's December. That's correct.
1: Uh, well, that's good. Well, I'm, I'm happy. Everyone seems to be doing well. I have no further questions about that. Uh, let's d- let's jump right into compliments. <coughs> Sorry,
0: Ron. That was a beautiful cough there.
2: Damn. Of course. We'll start off. Uh, you you gotta, got you got early out of the gate.
0: You've got your cough going, but you're otherwise looking healthy. So uh, you know that's a good thing. And with John. Um, John's looking good as well. He's grown in his beard a little bit and everything. Uh glad to be back. Also, compliments uh, to you both for coming back after <laughs> we took a week off.
2: Oh yeah. Thanksgiving. Yeah, right. we we
0: did
1: we did do a little Thanksgiving. I think that was good because we all got to uh you know give thanks to each other. And by giving thanks to each other, we give each other a little space and room on those uh off weeks. And uh Devin, I would just like to say, um, I love your background. Again, I know that people can't see your background on Zoom right now, but it's a beautiful pastiche. It's art. It's colorful. It's, it's modern. It's, uh, it's a lot, and it kind of complements uh, your face. Oh, thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. John, also looking good. Microphone looks good. Hair is looking <laughs> good. Your, uh, your, 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 your beard is like the chin to nose to head ratio is like perfect. Looks like wow, you've been spending you. a lot of time on that, and it I want to. It grows this way. Uh, yeah, it's growing on me too, John. Um,
2: <laughs>
1: so congratulations on that. Uh, <laughs> if anybody you. would like to hit me with a compliment, I'd be more than happy to take it.
2: I like your blue background and your blue shirt. It makes your complexion look very fair and very like you're sort of like a like a, an Anglo prince or something. That's right, John. Uh, Devin, thank you for getting up early today. Have giving me someone to chat with.
0: Oh yeah, no, of course, uh, and, and likewise. Started. Yeah, I mean, you know, we were uh, we were up early, um, <laughs> waiting for Ron. and oh, uh, that's, that's alright, but oh god, <laughs> <laughs> I can sense it. Okay, yeah, let's.
1: Uh, the compliments are over now. We're done with compliments, uh, and uh, let's go in straight into something that we 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 love and know. Keeping in touch with our history. It's This Week in History. 2001. One-time energy giant Enron files for Chapter 11 protection in one of the largest corporate bankruptcies in U.S. history. 1993. All right. Well, 2001. (laughs) That's all it was. Uh, 2001, Enron went bust. 2001, December 2001, that was. Uh, was kind of a heady time. If I have to remind you of what happened previously that uh, year. Yeah. And maybe you what should. What business
2: was Enron in? I don't even remember anything about this.
1: Yeah. So Enron was in the energy business. They were essentially like, um, I don't know, what, what are the big energy companies like uh, PG&E in California, DTE in Detroit, Edison. Yeah. Edison, yeah. Uh, and I, so Enron was, I believe they're a, a Texas company. Um, and they had a lot of power in, literally, uh, in California. And part of the whole thing was like they were uh, essentially metering people's energy. So they had tons and tons of reserve energy mm-hmm. that they could give to people. But to save money, they would just do like blackouts. <laughs> and many people didn't have energy and many old people and that kind of stuff died and they were also just like stealing money left and right kind of stuff, you know? So they were very shady business. It's like um, a Pirate oil company. Yeah. And and <clears throat> there was a documentary called the smartest guys in the room, uh, which was about the board of Enron, which was fascinating. And it was kind of like, it also had this uh, weird negative aspect. When it came out, it became like this uh, flagship for corporate social responsibility which kind of has been skewed now you know corporations can get away with anything as long as they're kind of woke but mm-hmm. um this was kind of the start of you know corporate social responsibility was that in the early 2000s after Enron um i think it's kind of interesting
0: i don't know if anybody else remembers anything about Enron but uh i don't remember but you were talking about when they you know, when, when Enron eventually declared bankruptcy, then they were selling off everything in the Enron offices, including the iconic Enron e-logo.
1: Yeah. If you if you check, uh, you know, just search Enron, you'll see that, that e-logo. But I do remember that from 2001, there was a, yeah, as you said, just an auction of all their like office supplies and that kind of stuff. And I remember, uh, asking my dad if maybe we could look into it and get a new computer or something (laughs) and uh, he was uninterested Um, and I just remember my dad also kind of we were watching the news together and he was just kind of talking about like yeah like uh, sometimes the uh, corporations aren't that good and I was like (laughs) I was like bro I know I I, I, I've been reading I've been listening to Rage Against the Machine yeah, exactly. This is when it was all starting for me in 2001, where I was just like, oh, I know. Like, you yeah. don't have to tell me, man.
2: It's funny it was- how classic that E was, too. That's all I, I remember from the whole news story. I was, yeah. I, and it looked like, I was like, they must make video games or something. <laughs> yeah. I know.
0: It, it's, it's somehow, you know, it's still one of the most iconic uh, corporate logos in America, well, yeah, I
2: looked it up and it's the same guy who did the IBM logo, which is like the best logo ever. Right.
0: Yeah. And I, I believe he did the uh, next logo as
1: well for um, uh, Steve Jobs. Oh, yes. company yeah. Company after Apple. He's like a notorious logo designer. I think I think you you can fact check me on that one, John. But uh, I think it's we, true. It we should true.
0: we should look into him in a future episode. I feel like that's that's
1: interesting. Yeah. Paul um, Rand. The, yeah.
0: The logo man
1: yeah and oh yeah paul rand that's his name interesting rand rand paul that's yeah. interesting.
2: Uh, yeah and it's funny i just it this sounds it kind of reminds me of the recent theranos story the enron thing mm-hmm. big time big and time. Uh, it looks like elizabeth holmes started theranos two years after the enron case broke right wow. so she, i wonder if she was like influenced or it's she like, started yeah, that in 2003 she was 19 years old wow
0: um, So it's like, they didn't make it work, but I'm going to make it work.
1: (laughs) Wow. Yeah, that's crazy. So Enron, like, I don't know if you want to get into Enron, but like, it just reminds me of the, uh, you know, other kind of uh, um, crooks, corporate crooks in America. And it also reminded me, similarly, when we were talking about the auction was uh, Bernie Madoff. Uh, And uh, as Devin and I were saying off air, it's he, he, Madeoff with a lot of money is what he did because he had a. Uh, How didn't they see it coming? Yeah, yeah. His, exa- his exactly. name is
0: just too on the nose for anyone to have realistically given him money to invest.
1: Yeah, um, and and also like the fact that 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 whole case is totally nuts. The Bernie Madoff case. I love reading about that one because like I remember reading his wife saying, so Bernie Madoff's wife didn't have to go to jail or anything, but she was saying that. Her life is worse than his in jail because bernie madoff can go to jail and just be kept away white collar jail probably doing whatever he's doing reading books about economics but she has to live in public as bernie madoff's uh you know estranged wife or whatever which i could definitely understand if wherever you live in the hamptons or some rich place manhattan that's probably very difficult probably a lot of people are upset at you and i also know that like i think most of his kids committed suicide and stuff like that and they're, they're, <laughs> most seriously <of> kids. <laughs> it, it, it's like real bad like it's, so, yeah, it's a tragedy
0: um made off situations real bad but let's uh let's take a let's take a listen to this audio of him arriving at his home in new york city on the day that he was uh you know busted or whatever the day that that his whole scheme came out publicly his
1: walk of shame it's a it's a super fascinating video that i'm going to post in the discord um uh and and on the show notes as well but uh i I think this is an absolutely fascinating video
2: say to them. Go ahead. Oh. Bernie. Hey
0: Bernie, give me one nice shot, buddy. Bernie, turn around, buddy. Come on. <laughs> yeah, absolutely Bernie. awesome. And the whole the whole like the thing that I think of when watching that video I remember, you know, when the Bernie Madoff thing happened was that the whole idea was that he was an investor, but he was working for a number of clients that were the people that actually had the money, right? Yeah. And they were giving Bernie Madoff the money and then it's like, "Okay, Bernie, you take the money. Turn it into more money. We don't care how you do it, and that in fact, it's almost like the way that I see Enron, the way that I see Bernie Madoff, is that they're they're you know in American media, they're these big examples of you know either corporate uh, misconduct or of you know financial misconduct, but that they're also they also serve as kind of a token token instances of of corruption or right. examples that the media yeah. scapegoats scape- the bad apples yeah exactly and that like the whole issue with bernie madoff is that he's just the patsy yeah you know working for you know people with
2: a lot more money than him mm-hmm. yeah and that, he's the like, sacrificial lamb he's the one who has, is the public face of corporate yeah. corruption so that way everyone can think we got one of them exactly. yeah there's
1: only one bad guy and right. they got him yeah so it's cool and they keep doing it let's keep going on
2: and with like Theranos and yeah yeah and with Enron too it's always like it's always in that Albanian guy
0: but you know the the types of practices that yeah that Shkreli or that Enron or that Bernie Madoff are up to I just have to imagine that that's basically it's basically just like one step beyond the acceptable range of corruption and fraud and you know whatever else They're just doing business. Yeah, they're
1: just doing business better than everybody else. (laughs) And then they like get caught. Mm -hmm. Like, but you you have to imagine that people are doing this all the time. We Mm -hmm. just don't know about it. Mm
2: -hmm. Right. And uh, so funny too, because there's such a crash and burn mentality in business in America. mm -hmm. So it's like these mm -hmm. people are just like the most, you know, pure practitioners of it. Yeah. Yeah, And I'm always
1: just looking for an excuse to hear the word and say the word patsy. So yeah. If, you, if we could just say Patsy <laughs> more, I like that. I, I think it's like an, an amazing word to use w- with respect to crime. Like the fact
2: there's there's a Patsy involved. Lee Harvey Oswald. I'm just a Patsy. I'm and a Patsy.
0: You, and if, uh, interestingly, if you take the word Patsy and you replace the S with a T, you get the word Patty. <laughs> and, um, mm-hmm. you know, okay. patties are made where are of. Where you going meat. with this?
1: Ah, uh, all and right. I see where you're going with this. That brings
0: us to uh, something that we wanted to talk about on the show um, as part of our segment, What's in the News?
1: Yes, that's right. We want to talk about lab-grown meat, uh, also known as cultured meat. I don't know why. Maybe it's seen a few uh, Shakespeare plays or uh, read a few books that are, uh, you know, good
2: that i, I haven't, haven't read Ton weber music
0: i like that term and then the other terms that people use to refer to lab grown meat which is you know as it seems meat grown in a scientific laboratory uh, meat that was never uh, connected or related to a living animal yeah um other names include healthy meat slaughter-free meat <laughs> in vitro meat vat meat grown vat grown lab-grown meat cell-based meat clean meat cultivated meat and synthetic meat mm. man flask meat synth beef i don't know synth <laughs> beef i like
1: synth beef that's cool yeah but imagine going to yeah going to the uh restaurant the fancy you know restaurant they're like would you like some in vitro vat grown meat clean clean, clean meat yeah it's How like, would clean you like is
0: it? regular meat or healthy meat yeah yeah, yeah. Would you like, uh, you know, your, you know, plebeian meat or a cultivated meat?
1: <laughs> well, I remember. So 2013, that's, yeah, that's this when we... Yeah, has been we... a
2: story bumping around for a little while. Exactly. On this.
1: So this is really interesting, though, I think. And it's something to think about with regards to, like, innovation stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, 2013, right? The first cultured hamburger ready to be fried. Uh, so that's, what, seven years ago? And coming up eight years ago, I guess. Um, And it costs over $300,000 to make and over two years to produce, right? So that was 2013. In 2020, now we can go buy lab-grown meat at every single store, essentially, For essentially what, with markup like seven bucks, I'm gonna say for two patties or four patties.
2: Well, that's plant based, right? That's not lab grown. Yeah, no. No.
0: So plant based meat, yeah, is is different. Oh, I'm completely incorrect.
1: I'm completely incorrect.
0: Wow. But okay, please, if you go to the uh, the the story here about the beginnings of no kill lab grown meat, it's gonna go on sale for the first time ever in Singapore. Yeah, so we've had we've had plant-based meat, we've had beyond meat, et cetera, et cetera, all of that, the impossible whopper or whatever. (laughs) Um but now for the first time we're getting meat that is it's real it's meat by some definition.
2: Okay. But it's it's like made of composed of meat cells and like tissue. Yeah. Like living tissue.
0: Stem cells were used to create this meat. So it's meat by any, you know, a meat by any other name would taste as juicy yeah <laughs> um
2: but well, um, the one difference between it is that it doesn't have a soul exactly
1: yeah which is weird because that's why i eat meat because i need mm-hmm. to taste the soul of well, other you get living too, things
2: yeah with, with the so, consumption so this is so, soul free meat you know? okay
1: so so this is come like i i apologize for speaking about plant-based Ghostless and i didn't gristle. even I didn't even think about that as, as like a. I just kind of put them all into the same category, but that's that's completely incorrect.
0: Well, you and everybody else, but this is where it's 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 all about differentiating to understand. You know that a lab that lab grown meat truly is something brand new going on sale for the first time in of all places Singapore, a place that we uh, we count on for all kinds <laughs> of uh, de- developments and firsts and all of these kinds of things.
1: Yeah. And like, what do we do? We when is it coming? He, when are we going to be able to go to the restaurant and get slaughter-free meat?
2: That's a good question. That's a good it, question. It, it seems that it's going to be legally uh, unobtainable for a while. Yeah, um, it
1: says that in 2040. Uh, this is a, a global consultancy firm, AT Kearney, whose work I'm extremely unfamiliar with. Uh, <laughs> predicted that most meat in 2040 would not come from dead animals.
2: Does that mean they'll come from living animals? Well, that's into... what one of the pro- proposals are that you can like painlessly take a sample tissue from like a cow shoulder mm-hmm. and then um use that to then you know multiply its its rate of growth and like uh, controlled conditions and then turn that into consumable meat without killing or really hurting the animal. Mm-hmm. Right. So this so is I gonna... doubt that this would be the case. I imagine that this is gonna be like immediately we're going to have like Theranos or Enron type levels of corruption. <laughs> and there's going to be it's going to be like Soylent Green. There's going to be a factory of just like yeah. total dismal circumstances. And, uh, and, uh, you know,
1: yeah, well, this this Where will they- also put um, like v- vegetarian, vegan, what all that kind of stuff, the ethics of it will put it into question, I imagine people being like, well, can I eat this if no animal was harmed? what right. like is that is
2: that cool <laughs> i've been waiting uh since 2013 to eat this meat because that was i was vegan at the time mm-hmm. and i was like didn't care about the like uh dietary aspects of veganism it was all like industrial agriculture or whatever mm-hmm. and then when the story came out i was like i can't wait i'm so, so for excited you, for this to happen
0: so for you ethically this makes all the difference in terms of you know your willingness to eat the meat like as a vegan you would have eaten the lab-grown meat correct um and it's and and the reason for doing so would be that there was no animal harmed in the process of producing that meat theoretically yeah
2: right
1: you are a big morrissey fan i can tell Uh, Um, yeah
2: i was peak morrissey in 2013 as well
1: here, here's something cool in this Guardian article, again, that we'll post about the uh, uh, no-kill lab-grown meat to go on sale for the first time. Um, they they talk about a man named Hassan uh, Huang, the um, Secretary General of the International Meat Secretariat, <laughs> which <laughs> I think is pretty cool. Uh, I've looked it up. It's a uh, Paris-based, um, I don't know, lobbying group. I don't know who they're connected to, if they're private or or nonprofit organization. Okay. Um, And it it calls itself the one voice in the world for meat and livestock sector. Now, I didn't know that there's only one voice in the world, but uh, here it is.
0: That's what they're hoping to achieve, I guess. But what are they? Are they for the lab grown meat? Like, is the meat industry excited about this or are they pushing back against it?
1: Well, that's what uh, Sin Huang has gone on to say. He says that uh, it seems certain that the similar products from other companies will follow. Talking about uh, cultured meat approval is going to be a significant moment. He said there has been so much hype on cell cultured meat that the anticipated first steps to mass sales is a significant moment. Yes, <laughs> that is. That's good. That's good. Um, we believe that the market potential for cultured meat is vast. As consumers in uh general continue to show great enthusiasm for the taste and nutritional benefits of animal products of course our view is that the real animal products will better meet these needs but
0: healthy competition <laughs> is welcome <laughs> interesting uh, yeah yeah so so they're pushing back against it they 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 want to keep slaughtering animals
1: yeah they ha- they have uh you know uh, material concerns that they need to be met in terms of uh slaughtering more animals for them to exist but uh right. yeah he 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 goes on to add that livestock are currently essential to the livelihoods of an estimated 1 billion poor people globally so he, he kind of he, yeah it, it is true but also kind of like a uh kind of a weak defense on his part i think kind of uh, mm-hmm. bringing the poor people involved right <laughs> like well we can't we can't have flab grown meat because uh, a lot of poor people need uh,
2: cows. Well, it's like right. the invention of the locomotive or whatever. It's like how many people are, were displaced by that mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Exactly. technology, yeah. and then how you know what did they do after that?
0: And looking at the notes here, um, the an interesting historical tidbit that um, shows how long people have been thinking about this kind of thing. Or maybe Winston Churchill is an innovator here, but in 1931, prior to becoming prime minister, famously. Mm-hmm. Um in an essay called Fifty Years Hence, Winston Churchill wrote that we shall escape the absurdity of growing a whole chicken in order to eat the breast or wing by growing these parts separately under a suitable medium. So Winston Churchill of all people was uh you know, on the avant garde of of lab
2: grown meat. That's, That's awesome. true. That must be um like cloning it was going, was ramping up at the time. I I, I imagine, imagine.
1: I I, See, I I have a a view of this where, again, he's uh, writing in his room in that bunker, wherever the fuck he lives. And then uh, it's like he generally eats dinner at 7 p.m. and it's 6.45. He's He's starving. He hasn't (laughs) eaten since breakfast. And (laughs) he's he's like, I need to add one more bullet point uh, to my thing. And henceforth, I can have dinner. And then somebody's like, Win- Winnie, what are you going to have for dinner? Do you want chicken breast? Do you want chicken wings? Do you want chicken leg? Do you want? He's like, well, I want like, uh, we have to cook the whole chicken, don't we? And they're like, yeah, yeah. just like, what the <laughs> fuck do you want for dinner? Like, we got to, I'm, I'm trying to make you food, Winston. You're going to be prime minister someday. You have to eat. And he's like, uh. and it's like, okay. And then he's like, we shall escape the absurdity of growing the whole chicken. And it's like, okay, dude. And then now yeah. we read that as uh, important, uh, You know prescient thought prescient whatever yeah it Um, makes
0: me hungry but yeah it it makes me hungry too i'd be even hungrier for a lab grown chicken breast i think
2: i like that he calls it absurd to raise a chicken yeah to like (laughs) to age yeah (laughs) i know did he have any chickens do you think i Uh, i
1: I think everybody kind of did but uh john if i could uh, i could ask i know you mentioned that you were vegan um and I've heard uh, through some various group chats and stuff like that that you are experimenting with eating meat now.
2: Yeah. Well, I was, um, I, was ve- I wasn't vegan for, I'm not vegan this year or I wasn't the right. year before. I was vegan for about three years, mm-hmm. starting about when I was like 19 or 20, mm-hmm. uh, which is, I think, the age to do it. I think, Devin, you were saying <laughs> that's that when more. I was vegan as well. Yeah. Hell yeah. Um, but then I became vegetarian and I was eating cheese and stuff. For the last however many years and then like two years ago or three years ago i started eating eggs because i <laughs> missed them and i was undernourished and uh i started eating like you know the most uh egregiously like happy healthy eggs from like a cozy quaint farm yeah <laughs> six dollar like amish eggs yeah mm-hmm. and then uh yeah recently i like ate a like tofurkey sandwich mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and it was so pitiful and pathetic that i was like why am i doing this to myself <laughs> i'm just gonna buy some turkey breast it's like you know i'm one guy in a in a current of you know millions I there don't know we why go I'm, why i'm doing this to myself yeah so then I, i've been eating turkey breast sandwiches and well congratulations made shrimp last night oh wow cut open nice. some shrimp deveined them deshelled them wow little legs off and then i did yeah. The little spectacles testicles wallet and watch <laughs> yeah. for each one just to yeah. honor them yeah yeah, yeah. Um, yeah well sh-
1: shrimp is kind of a, a biblical like isn't there a lot of stuff about in the well i don't even know this is, but shrimp's me, tied buddy. with <laughs> shrimp's tied with religion somehow i know that jewish people uh, like kosher can't eat shellfish right i made shrimp last night um my girlfriend's jewish i fed the fed her the shrimp but she's not kosher so hmm. um, damn or practicing but uh anyway i don't know yeah okay <laughs> so, so in terms shrimp, of the yeah. thing
0: that we need to keep our eyes peeled on and keep uh, uh you know, yes is is the uh the potential for yeah for fraud to be taking place within the lab grown meat industry interesting um, yeah you know it's kind the of the other
2: development I think is that we may have uh human meat consumable human meat which is something that I boasted that I would eat uh when I was vegan right um, if it was grown in a you know non non like killing people way. So cultured human meat, I think we will eventually also see the cusp of that on the marketplace. Wow. Because okay. it's if we're it, growing meat in vats, we might as well also eat human meat.
0: If it's done ethically, I mean I I would eat it for sure, but but if it's done unethically, if it's uh, it's not lab grown human meat, but actual just <laughs> human meat, um yeah. I would want to know that. And I guess in America you know, as we've seen with Enron and other other companies, the the risk of uh, being uh, you know taken yeah. advantage of is definitely high. So we need to keep our eyes open. We um, got to watch
2: out if uh, Elizabeth Holmes and Bernie Madoff and the Enron guys and Shkreli start a lab grown meat company. Yeah, we definitely want to like keep watch on exactly. their, uh, their facilities
1: yeah and i could also see this being like something that you know like, like the the term lab is kind of loose like i don't know what if you just <laughs> have true. like a, a lab at your house like if you're making your own lab grown meat you know like what are the regulations dog right like what are the regulations there and that's going to be something that uh you know I, I i don't necessarily trust the uh the people <laughs> <laughs> who are making decisions right now to be like telling us what a lab is or isn't. But um yeah, I think that's going to be like the, it's so weird that those are going to be the the battles that are going to be taking place in the future um, of, of you, know, just, just
2: future l- of eating. Like,
1: yeah, yeah. What is that? Nanotechnology. I don't even know. Like the, the, the idea that you can just create something on your own at home in a way like you'll, you'll be, downloading uh your furniture plans making them in your house and then like eating uh stuff that's grown in your basement yeah or maybe. you
2: just have a 3d printer people do it you already Download a file for you know rib roast and then the right. 3d printer goes off for like you know an hour and a half and then you're yeah. piping hot meal and future
0: yeah. generations will be enjoying, you know, grandma's lab grown meat recipes in <laughs> yeah. And then they'll be going to the Or restaurant. they'll be enjoying
2: grandma. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, grandma's
0: going to grow meat from her own stem cells. Oh, there <laughs>
2: absolutely will be chic restaurants in like Toronto or San Francisco where chefs mm-hmm. will be culturing themselves. Yes. Yes. people. Yes. I guarantee it.
1: There'll be like raw nexus jerky. I'm going to like monetize <laughs> this you can eat like my my uh shoulder or something like that yeah eat me <laughs> eat me yeah exactly <laughs> that'll be the next with with uh download of my uh you know band
2: camp you get like i'll send you uh some <laughs> of my uh my knee yeah my marrow we'll never stop running out of parts of ourselves to sell
0: of Ron ecstasy jerky um, you know if you're gonna do that we would want it to be done you know responsibly we would want it we want you to start a business that you know has legs that can really last a while that's not just a get-rich-quick scheme which we see all too often in our society but um, another interesting uh, article in the news recently has to do with um, an alternate perspective which takes place in Japan and this is a, a concept of uh, Japanese society that I was not familiar with um, and which, John, maybe you have the proper pronunciation. Yeah,
1: because I, I don't want to mess it up either.
2: I think it's, I don't know, t- totally, but I think believe it's pronounced Shinisei. Shinise. I don't know. You know those like weird characters when they do pronunciations in text? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Never I, don't, I don't know those.
1: how to read those either. But yeah, yeah, this is this is some fascinating stuff. Yeah.
2: Uh, it's interesting to think about what we'll be eating in the future yeah exactly we also have a window into what people were eating in the past Mm -hmm. and in kyoto um there's you know uh the the classic japanese you know religion they have you know thousands of years old shrines and things shinto Shinto, yes and then one of the um uh businesses that existed near the shrine is still running it's a thousand and twenty year old Uh, like, food shop. Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Where pilgrims would travel to the shrine, and then they would stop by and have mochi, which is, like, toasted, uh, like, rice paste.
1: Yeah. So the the, uh, New York Times article starts out saying, uh, Dateline uh, Kyoto, Naomi Hasegawa's family sells toasted mochi out of a small cedar-timbered shop next to a rambling old shrine in Kyoto. The family started the business to provide refreshments to weary travelers coming from across Japan to pray for pandemic relief in the year one thousand now more so, than a millennium later, a new disease has devastated the economy in the ancient capital, and it's as its once reliable stream of tourists has evaporated, but Miss Hasegawa is not concerned about her enterprise's finances so yeah it 's this idea that uh, uh Japanese businesses have a a long long uh, familial history, cultural history, where they they just keep on going on. So it says uh, this professor, uh, Kenji Matsuoko, uh, Professor emeritus, emeritus of Business at Ryukoko University in Kyoto says, their number one priority is carrying on. Each generation is like a runner in a relay, relay race. What's important is passing the baton.
0: Right. And so it's, yeah, it's just like a whole... Alternative way of viewing businesses that has to do with, you know, making the business last as long as possible. That's the main
2: concern. Um, and it's the anti Madoff position. Right. Exactly. exactly.
1: I was going to say that too with Enron as well. Like it, the, the whole Enron pump and dump schemes of like, okay, we're going to turn off these old ladies' power. Uh, and just to say, like, we're going to make $20,000 in the next 10 seconds. Mm-hmm. That will be like in the coffers of the executives, like that is not operating on anything close to um,
2: the 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 Japanese practice of Shinisa. What's also something. so wild about it is that it's the same building. I mean, yeah, it's sort of like, uh, you know, is it? It's probably all of the components of the building have been replaced except for like the stone floors. But it's like it's made of wood and stone. Yeah, and it's incredible. Rice, so it's like they'll never run out. Of materials to repair or to make their stuff. There's even in the Incredible. article they mention that um, for the longest period, which is like plus of 800 years, they used a like a fresh spring that like they collected in their basement mm-hmm. uh, until they had like modern you know food safety regulations. But they just never ran out of you know their supplies or their materials or what. And it's also they're situated next to a religious shrine, which is like yeah. those last forever regardless yeah. of mm-hmm. politics. People are going to be moving through. Right. And
0: so, yeah, I I just found it to be a it's a refreshing attitude about what a business is supposed to do and what relationship a business is supposed to have with, you know, the society that it's a part of. Um, Yeah. And it's and
1: it's extremely antithetical to what business would be in 2020 if -hmm. you were to start. Yeah, I mean, like, obviously, because there's not thousands of years of history, but just thinking about we were talking a little bit beforehand. before a hand i i pulled up the wikipedia entry for just in time manufacturing jit jit mm-hmm. or just in time production um also known as the toyota production system and this is like a uh, a business method that was adopted by or created by toyota and japanese firms uh it's now kind of unknown as a uh, lean manufacturing where you're essentially like cutting the fat you know and and you're you're uh you're trying to keep things as minimal as possible while also like making tons of money so it's like um <laughs> it's it's not like it it, it reminds me of um you know, the kind of like slow food movement. Remember that? Where it was like, right. yo, we're just going to take a little time with this. And like, do you know what? It's it, it may be what you order may not be kind of this like McDonald's thing where every single Big Mac in the world is going to be the exact same with the exact same rules applied to it. And, you know, there's no difference. Mm-hmm. So if I order at a slow food restaurant, whatever it's called, you know, their hamburger, it'd be like, actually, we're kind of out of cheese, but we're going to put like mm, on it, you know, it's like, okay, that's fine. And that just doesn't. And the burger uh, takes like two
0: hours,
1: (laughs) (laughs) and it's and it's made of grandma. Um, Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, But I'm yeah, I'm really fascinated by just how Japan has kind of injected these like business methods into our world, and uh, it also reminds me of like the Nintendo company. Right, John mentioned earlier uh, off off uh, recording that Nintendo is something like hundred thirty years old. Company. Yeah. They used to be a playing card company. Exactly. So they've stuck with the gaming. But most importantly,
0: like, just different ways. Yeah. And they but this like the, the idea of Sheeny is it's not just it doesn't just apply to very old businesses. It, it's a mindset that has to do with even starting a new business. Mm, so right. like, okay, I'm gonna when starting a new business, you think, you know, a hundred years ahead. You think how can I how can this business be sustainable for a really long time? And so I guess Nintendo is is another example of a business that sort of operates on those principles. Yeah, despite the mm-hmm. fact that I'm... it's only a hundred and something years old, it's sort of it it's it's living the the sort of notion of, of of what a business should be in Japan.
2: Yeah, it seems that Shinisei is like also like about copying what works. Mm-hmm. So you do like what's successful, and you don't change it or alter it or take risks. Mm-hmm. um it look it says i read in the article that it was like forty percent of the businesses over a hundred years old are in japan yeah of you know, the world's you know older than a hundred businesses right yeah that, businesses
0: that's... that have been operating yeah for a thousand years i mean many businesses in Japan outdate uh you know the entire American nation and the entire yeah. kind of American <laughs> colonial project or whatever yeah, yeah. exactly. Uh, yeah
1: absolutely fascinating and um i will be uh in- incorporating uh Shinise, uh ideas in all further ron ecstasy ventures because yeah. uh i'm planning group as well yeah blue man group as well um you know Next we week are when you
2: tune in we're going to be doing no theater and we're going to be there's going to be those big taiko wooden drums yeah yeah, yeah
1: and, and we're planning on uh, uh doing this for 1000 years. <laughs> yeah, we're making so. a
0: list of chores for our great-grandchildren to do in, you know, uh, whenever 170 80, 90 <laughs> years from now. Right. But it's a chore list and we're going to just seal that into an envelope and put it in away and uh so they'll have it uh when they're ready.
1: Yeah, and I I'm I'm looking forward to it and uh beef jerky, uh, excuse me, raw next to jerky will coming to a store near you soon.
2: Yeah, you wonder if what's what will be the thing we end up eating in the future. Is it going to be this new development, probably a company founded by, you know, short shrift salesmen and 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 you know uh, uh slick talking uh, businessmen or is it gonna be this <laughs> two thousand year old uh you know rice or uh wine company? Yeah maybe I,
0: it'll be a combination of both, you know uh, according to the principles of say we'll you know we'll understand what works which is the the rice paste mm-hmm. but we'll also understand you know what innovations we can incorporate in order to keep the business thriving yeah i so i the like the
2: thing that works best is staying off the stock market <laughs> i think that's yeah. also true
1: yeah speculation kind of hurts uh yeah. speculation for a thousand like speculators don't like 1000 year plans they like uh <laughs> they like uh, very short and uh short turnarounds good for the wallet yeah um but it, yeah it, it this go- kind of goes along with uh other topics that remind me of like um these kind of national ideas or national words that other countries don't know about kind of stuff you know like mm-hmm. Denmark has that like Higgy that always comes Higgy. up in clickbait yeah. articles every winter. Mm-hmm. Like you need to find mm-hmm. your cozy and stuff like that. Uh Shinisei, something I didn't know about until today. Uh is another one. I'm sure there's there's many more.
2: Um, which is a concept like uh, you know, hoog or whatever, like is there's analogs to other cultures, you know. But like mm-hmm. there is no precedent for Shinisei in America.
0: <laughs> no. no. I feel like the Amer- like America is founded on like anti Shinise. Right. Yeah. It's kind of like how can we like think of a thousand years? It's like we want it to be a charred ruin in a thousand years. So right. how yeah. can we get there? As
2: quickly as possible. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I heard I like it, in right, the I mean, New York Times article, they they said that they uh turned down an offer from Uber Eats to do delivery. <laughs> they were like That's no. awesome. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. And um
1: yeah, yeah, I, I, I just think uh yeah, one thousand year plans are extremely difficult for Amer- American businesses to grasp, um, and I, I I I suspect that maybe the U.S. dropped two nuclear bombs on Japan because of <laughs> Shinisei <laughs> I think that may have been something that they did not like, and uh,
2: it probably didn't get help. Edge.
1: No, it did not help. But, but uh, yeah, thank you, Japan. We're we're more than more than happy to learn more about you and and uh, and and bring in your practices into our daily life. I'm always looking towards Japan for influence on such things. And
0: let's let's end this segment by asking our listeners, what's your 1000-year plan?
2: <laughs> <laughs> Business lessons from the Orient.
1: All right, to uh, wrap things up, we have a new segment that we're um, going to dive into. It's the border town of the week.
0: Which border town do we have uh, this week?
1: Well, I'm glad you asked, Devin. We have Hyder, Alaska. Now, I don't know if uh, you are on the Ron Ecstasy News Network streams uh, Wednesday, Friday nights on Twitch, um, but I've, I've, I've pulled this up before a long time ago, months and months ago. This is one of my uh, favorite border crossings. Um, this just, is on, just to
0: be clear, this is the U S Canada border, right?
1: Exactly. Yes. So I want you to listener, uh, pull up a map or go get your Atlas or find, look at yeah, a globe, find your globe, find your globe Do your do study. whatever, go up to the study. Yep. Find it. <laughs> um okay you got it okay good don't trip don't trip (laughs) don't trip okay uh watch your step watch your step um okay so you look at alaska please the uh giant state of alaska the uh 49th state in america or is it the fifth no yeah it's the 49th uh beautiful state it's the uh the last frontier they say um absolutely massive fucking state (laughs) Uh, extremely large a bit too big i would say i think we should get rid of a lot of it um Cut it okay up. carve it up uh lock it up okay so hyder is on the like tail of alaska so i'm not talking about the K-Chum- the kamchatka Pen- peninsula excuse me kamchat <laughs> kamchatka peninsula i can't even say it i'm not going to say it but it's if you look at british columbia okay Mm-hmm. Um, keep zooming in and go to the exact bottom of that big thing on <laughs> I can't <laughs> yeah. describe this. Just look up a Hyder, Alaska, okay? <laughs> yeah, Google Hyder. <laughs> and <laughs> it's right on the border of British Columbia and Alaska. Now, Hyder is um obviously in Alaska. The population is 87. That was uh, as of the uh uh, 2010 census and they lost 10 people in 10 years Damn. one person a year they cast it away and uh, <laughs> they sent them over to canada
2: they in um, the lottery
1: yeah and so on the other side in canada it is Stuart, british columbia which is a uh extremely uh you know canadian scott's canadian name um and so uh it, it, it is landlocked, and it's the southernmost community in the in the state of Alaska that can be reached by a car. So the other ones, uh, you know, the the little islands out there, you can only reach by boat or plane. And it's also Alaska's easternmost town. Wonderful. Yeah, and it's just uh, <laughs> There's really, I mean,
2: there's so. If much you to go say into the uh,
1: the Hyder Alaska uh, Wikipedia page, I'll tell you why. The only reason I know about this place. Yeah, cuz yeah, I really it. like the picture. <laughs> <laughs> I just really really like this picture of Hyder, Alaska as seen from the Canadian side. It like, is cool. To me this just looks so fucking beautiful. Like the, the size of the mountains. I love mountains, you know. Like when I was when I was a little kid, I I would get these like nightmares all the time and uh, they some I don't know who told me. They were like you got to think about things that you like instead. And I thought about
2: mountains and hot air balloons. That's what I like would make me feel better. <laughs> and, um, wait, I just, can we also talk about how as a kid, you also liked border towns because you had a book.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Tell
2: us about the book because that's yeah, yeah. Because so, we're really starting to paint a picture of like your origin story here. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, my, uh, my grandfather grew up uh, at a, at a border town, um, right on the, uh, U S Canada, Quebec border near there. And, um, he, he kind of had a thing for uh, border towns and he, he owned this book that was like a big coffee table book. I'm unsure if it was produced by the Canadian government, but there was, it's one of those books, if you're familiar with Canadian publishing, where one side of it is a big English uh, write up and the exact same write up in French is right next to it. with And then the, the page on the left uh, would just be giant, beautiful pictures, awesome photography, of people doing their border town activities and it talks about you know <laughs> like uh what it's like to live on the border this probably from the 60s i imagine and um maybe a 67 kind of a celebration of canada's centennial type thing and i just always like was kind of fascinated by well what gets me is like um there's an imaginary line right there right that we can't see it's a constructed uh, a literal social construct right that is right there <laughs> And, um, on one side of that line, people say out and about, and they use, uh, currency with the queen on it. Uh, they, (laughs) they vote for a, uh, quasi socialist party called the new democratic party. They, they, um, you know, they, they're, they're doing all these different things. They, they buy cereal that has French on one side and English on the other. And. Uh, they watch hockey. And then you go to the other side and they own guns, they have uh, no healthcare, care. Um, <laughs> and they drink Budweiser. But like But then, I think that's absolutely fascinating.
0: Yeah, but then and then on another level, they're basically identically similar places.
2: Totally. Right. Exactly. And that's that's kind of the, the, the joke of it, you know? It's like you would spend yeah. all day flipping through this book and then yes. you would go to sleep at night and you'd dream about mountains and hot air balloons traveling yes. over border towns. Yes. This and picture is beautiful yeah it mountain. is yeah if it you looks go, like one of the towns you would go to in like a video game and there's like a there's like a mystery you have to solve mm-hmm. totally
1: and it's 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 absolutely beautiful and I would love to uh I would love to be to visit there someday um by the way as of 2010 there is one hispanic person there that oh, okay. was just in the uh in the census I thought I would add That's that in the census yeah um yeah it just seems like a kind of a cool place so uh also this is also kind of the interesting thing. And I know we've talked about this before with uh point Roberts in, um, in Washington, Mm -hmm. uh, Washington state. So Hyder's public utilities are imported from Canada, which is like pretty interesting. And that's got to deal. That's got to be like difficult to deal with, with different currencies, different regulations, that kind of stuff. So electricity is maintained by the subsidiary of BC hydro, which is, uh, Mm -hmm. British Columbia's Enron let's say. Mm -hmm. And, um, And uh, yeah, so they, they, uh, they share a um, area code as well with Stewart, Mm -hmm. uh, which I think is kind of interesting. Um, The Alaska state troopers occasionally patrol the town, but they're not located in the town. 40 years ago, during an Independence Day fireworks display, the organizers accidentally burned down their fire hall with the fire engine inside. <laughs> That's not <laughs> oh good. Oh, my gosh. Um, but an interesting and, thing
0: about this is, like, it's one of those towns where you see the the population just dwindle over time. <laughs> yeah, um, true. But then it's kind of picked back up. It's, it's had a very fluctuating population, and I guess maybe that speaks to industry I guess so isolated yeah in the industries that come and go you know it used to have like over 200 people uh and then uh between 1930 in- and 1940 the population cratered from 254 people to <laughs> 72 people an that's, enormous loss
1: <laughs> that's almost a 72% decrease um in population yeah i imagine what what, what could that mean like it could either mean that the resources cuz it's got to be a resource economy there like either mm, yeah. uh fish the salmon or something
0: Lumber,
2: were overfished or the trees or mine, were all chopped down
0: yeah the gold was gone or
2: something people aren't yeah. doing sheeny say here if exactly there would, they would be no maybe the people not. who are left are
1: well look at that so that huge crater in population let's imagine it's trees right let's say they chopped down all the trees <laughs> and then they replanted in 1945 or something like that by 1970, we're back up to a, a population of what's the
0: 49?
2: Okay, so it actually <laughs> decreased.
0: So, no, a few yeah, a few more people showed up. And then, you know, it, it gets got down to, to
2: 30 people in the 50s. That's crazy. In
0: 1990, at its peak, uh, re, its modern peak was 99 people uh, in 1990. So, there was something <laughs> happening. They almost hit 100, but not quite. And then, not ever quite. since
2: then, it's been, that was the high water mark. Someone visited town, and they were the 100th person in Hyder. <laughs> and but it was yeah. like a big celebration. Like, they won a sweepstakes.
0: But I think this is... Uh, it's a it's an interesting example of the opposite of Shinisei. It's like yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's these little like towns that pop up when there's something to be extracted, and then everyone leaves and they go somewhere else, and then they come back. There's
2: something yeah, else. Yeah, happening. it's really just like a tourist destination. Yeah. It says in the wiki that there's a popular. It's a popular location for like cyclic, motorcyclists who like to go all through all the landmass of the country. Nice. And one yeah. of them The long distance motorcycle riding club Iron Butt Association. Yeah. Which oh, nice! And then the also, but season in, in Hyder is probably a big economic boon. An yeah.
0: interesting little tidbit here, uh, and this is a great example of you know the, the types of little local cultural things that we like about these border towns. A local tradition is known as being "quote Hyderized," with two of the town's bars issuing certifications to patrons <laughs> who consume a shot of 151 proof Everclear. Yeah. Well, there that's, we go. We uh, figured out 5- the mystery of why the
2: population alcohol. keeps cratering. Yeah, yeah cuz they're they're killing
1: people with uh Everclear.
0: But you get a certification for just doing one shot of 151 proof Everclear? I mean, like is it that hard to take that shot?
1: I think it is. I mean, it's 75% alcohol. It's, we'll it's just one, like
2: you're going to have another.
1: It's just like yeah. rubbing alcohol.
0: Hey, I mean, we've all been there. Hey.
1: <laughs> yeah, but it seems as though uh this place extremely cool. I would love to go there. Uh I wonder if we can find this bar that they're talking about though. Stewart also seems great. Maybe we'll do a little uh look Stewart at on Stewart. The other side. Yeah, uh Bounded another another, another day. Yeah, Stewart.
0: N- <laughs> yeah, next time we'll we'll cover Stewart.
2: Um, um but but yeah, an interesting
0: so, place kind of nor northern BC. We should uh, um,
2: go on a podcast tour of border towns. I would do live absolutely shows love at that Hyder Everclear bar. Yeah, that's yeah. all
1: that's all I want to do, honestly. We'll all I want to do is travel.
0: But uh but listeners, if you think that we should embark on a uh, on a border town tour, take the podcast on the road, um sound off, um so, yeah, sound off and pound off in the comments. Yeah, um we 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 would
1: love to come to your border town. <laughs> we'd love to come to the closest border town and look at other countries um (laughs) with you and uh, slightly
2: further away from the borderline
1: yeah do some like live podcasting have you ever been to like an event like a uh an auto show or some like event where the radio station shows up and they have like a little tent that's Mm -hmm. gonna be us at your border Mm -hmm. at your border town
2: we'll have like fun events we'll um We'll sit on the American side and we'll roll pennies into the Canadian side. Yeah. And we'll just watch the live GDP count go up.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And the debt
1: lower. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Import, export stuff. It's going to be great. And uh, yeah, we hope to, we hope to see you on our live tour that we just now are talking just
0: about. Just coming up with now. <laughs> but speaking of which, we should take this opportunity to maybe wrap things up. And be- But before we do. Um, exciting news in the blue men group, uh, universe, uh, as we've, we've just now, uh, gotten our podcast on, um, podcast, uh, services, uh, Ron, maybe you can speak to that a little bit.
1: Yeah. Uh, wherever you listen to podcasts, you can find the blue men group, look up blue men group. You will see a photo of three handsome looking fellows that will be myself, Devin Welsh and John Biedron. Uh, and yeah, rate or review, share it, do all that kind of stuff, but it's, uh, should be online far and wide. And if it's not, please let me know. And I can contact the, uh, the people who are doing the service and, uh, we'll get it onto your device
0: but we're we're begging you please uh if you're listening to this in some other way you're listening to it through Patreon or something else please mm-hmm. stop listening to it this way <laughs> and subscribe on your podcast app and then yeah, yeah do all the things but it, most importantly tell other people about it tell other people that you know to also subscribe yeah send them the link through Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts or whatever it is Pocket Casts or um
2: John, what's the one that podcast you podcast addict? Yeah, yeah. Podcast addict. Any of the various fly by night Android podcast apps. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: would yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, pick your pick your poison, but but please share it. Uh, tell other people to listen to it, especially if they're interested in border towns <laughs> or uh Sheeny yes. a uh different yes. if they're looking for a different uh, idea about how to run a business. In the 21st century, um, this is the podcast for you, for them as well. This
1: is a consulting podcast, essentially. We, we let you know what is up. All right, everybody. Thanks so much for listening. Uh, as Devin just explained, please uh, berate everyone you know to listen and share. Um, we love you very much, and we will see you soon. Bye.
2: This is the Blue Man Group. This is the Blue Man Group. This is the Blue Man Group.